Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. You can read all of my stories over at 247sports.com, themichiganinsider.com. Uh, lots, lots more writing than podcasting, although, as we mentioned last week, or earlier this week, I should say, uh, that gap is going to narrow. Uh, 24-7 has, has totally uh, juiced up their podcasting. I'm actually recording from a home studio that they provided, so thank you to them for that. But it's, it's you know, they want to they wanna test this out because you guys are listening to podcasts more than ever. And so we're trying out two times a week, three times a week, uh, you know, more focused podcasts, closer to 40 minutes. Obviously, if you have opinions on, on how you would like your podcast to be, uh, certainly don't don't hesitate to, to hit the Twitter DMs or, or shoot me a message and, and let me know what you think. But so far, we're hearing that these more frequent podcasts may be a little bit more timely more uh, focused, you know, anchored around one news item. Uh, so far, people like them. So this one's going to be all about basketball. Uh, you know, just talking about the draft decisions, where Michigan turns to next, what the team looks like next year. Uh, we're going to do a pre-spring game one. We're going to try to make it timely enough that it's, you know, maybe you can listen to it after the spring game as well. Uh, but and also answer some of your football questions. You know, and then. It's just a just a heavier news week than we thought. You know, I pre-recorded the segment with Steve earlier in the week. This one's solo. Uh, but regardless, you know, you're going to get lots of content. We're going to try to cover everything for you guys through the offseason, through the regular season. So first, let's take a look at these NBA draft decisions or or the, the upcoming month. First of all, if you were surprised, Jordan Poole, Ignis Brzezakis, and Charles Matthews declared for the draft uh, to at least see what was out there. I don't know what to tell you because it was very obvious forever that they were going to check. I mean, at least at least tr- give it a try, right? That, that At this point, this day and age, pretty much everyone should. I think the only reason you wouldn't is maybe... Uh, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't. I mean, obviously, some players don't. Players who aren't in the, in the business of don't. Perhaps maybe they would just want to focus on getting better. They don't want to go to all the different practices or, or the... the hoops you have to do for evaluation best reason i can think of not to so so yeah these three were going to little honestly you know i don't think it would have been the worst thing for someone like john teske or isaiah livers guys who eventually want to see you know play in the nba or have a have a realistic shot of being drafted perhaps perhaps they should have too i mean who knows but i think there was some confusion because this year i tried you know we tried to say it uh you can hire an agent and still come back Seems like people have figured that part out. I don't think that part is quite as confusing, but maybe that caught people off guard at first. But yeah, back to this decision. I mean, it's it's interesting in that all three could come back. I think if you really wanted to, you could make a case for all three to come back. But at the same time, I think Michigan is under the impression that perhaps none of the three come back. None of them are more likely to come back than not. You know, I think when Mo Wagner tested the waters two years ago I think that Michigan was operating under the belief that it was more likely than not that he comes back Charles Matthews I think that decision was more 50-50 than people realized Uh, you know obviously he had the hand injury that limited him from some of the workouts and he just wasn't quite getting the traction and and so so I think that was one that maybe was closer to 50-50 these are not 50-50 these ones I mean Matthews I you know, as much as as much as 
fun it is to cover Matthews because he's he's such a genuine uh, good person and and as much as I mean I've written stories you know basically plugging in the quotes because <laughs> these coaches and players have so much to say about him great leader great captain great defender great basketball player obviously but I you know he's gonna he's got his degree he's always wanted to play in the pros he's you know closing in on he's getting up there in years the NBA is notoriously ageist so I think it's he's one that I think if you're a Michigan fan you know to, to think that he should come back I I'd argue is a little selfish you know I mean he's he's got his degree he played for four he played four years of college basketball yes he could come back but at the same time even if it's not in the NBA even if it's not you know a six-figure situation he get he has a degree if he needs it you know if he wants to use it later and he could fall back on you know even you know a G League deal or a, a deal overseas that's good money that's good money doing what you love so yeah I think I mean the fact that Beeline who is notoriously notoriously like tight-lipped doesn't want to say the wrong thing the fact that right after the game he said that they expect Matthews to go pro that probably says it all uh, you know that's that is what it is the other two are a little bit more interesting because I think that you know age is not a huge factor for them although in today's draft market it almost always is a factor and I don't think either of them have kind of hit their ceiling as much as uh, impact as Matthews made was he going to be better because I think a lot of times fans will overlook you know oh he's not where he you know he's not a, a top 15 pick therefore he should come back well sometimes you know as, as much try as you might you're not going to get up to a top 15 pick in fact most aren't and so I think you go when you max out I think Nick Stauskas was a good example of that like there is no way there's nothing he could do to, to move up even higher in the draft after his sophomore year and he went ninth another good example I think is DJ Wilson you know I don't he was we'll talk about the system in a moment but he struck me as someone he wasn't going to come back and have a season like Mo Wagner had he he I didn't I don't know if there were 15 points and 10 rebounds a night for him to get just it's not a knock on him but sometimes you know you are what you are there's certain limitations and if he's given up if he's adding strength so he can get more rebounds and post up more does he sacrifice his three you know so there's there's lots of little things uh but it's all about how, how much you move up and you also want to move up enough to make up for another year playing amateur basketball you know michigan treats its players really well but you're not getting paid and i think that's something to keep in mind with a guy like jordan Poole or or ignis Brzdakis. i mean both of them like pretty much everyone has the nba on their mind they all want to make it i think both of them had a little bit more realistic calling cards and though they aren't finished project products blah, products teams are starting to be a little bit more open to maybe you play in the g league for a year or two but you're still in the mix like you're you know we're still keeping you in mind for our future i think dj wilson's a good example of that now the bucks had some coaching changes that that at first hurt and then helped wilson's production but it's you know they, they're always keeping him in mind and they were always looking and and trying to figure out what the path for him is glenn robinson another guy who spent a good amount of time in the g league and emerged and and was you know productive now he's on the pistons he was productive for the pacers and and so you know just because they're not right where they need to be 
doesn't mean that they shouldn't go pro. In fact, depending on your development style, there might be benefits to doing basketball full-time, to having, you know, constant contact with coaches. I mean, you know, Michigan is very by the books. I still think it's a silly rule. I don't know all the limitations or loopholes or ins and outs, but the 20 hours a week of practice, that's not that much. I mean, you know, if you're if you're really thinking about it, I'm surprised it hasn't hurt college athletics even more. The the limits on how much you practice per day. I mean, if you're if you're a G League player, for example, you know, I'm not quite sure what their practice schedule with the team is like, but they don't have to go to Econ 102. They don't have to go to to Psych 211 or, you know, Oceanography or or you know, these other classes. They don't have to go to class they can just go to the gym or go to go to you know get a workout in you know go get uh go you know they have nutritionists that now michigan has nutritionists they have all the facilities but the time i think is significant and so perhaps if you're feeling i think jordan Poole's a good example you know i think he would admit he expected more from himself this season well perhaps there's some frustration with you know the general college athletics system it's not for everybody just like college itself is not for everybody some people they go there and the gpa tanks some people uh excel you know it's just different people are different so not every situation is going to work for everyone and i think iggy's in a similar boat you know where he i think he believes even if it's not on an nba roster i think he believes that he can excel and continue to get better Perhaps it can happen at a faster rate in the pros. I don't know. I don't know, you know, what they think. I'm just saying from my personal view, yeah, I could see. I mean, you know, like my even in my own personal life, I, I used I wrote for the Michigan Daily while I attended Michigan. A lot of times it got in the way of my school. And, and I had to constantly, you know, give up sleep, juggle the two because I was in business school. It was very time consuming. And then suddenly I get to do a pro over here at 24 seven and I got a lot better and I was able to commit to it every day. And it's like, you know, instead of writing, you know, three or four times a week, I'm writing three or four times a day. And so, you know, it's when you do something pro like that and full time like that, you're going to get better. So maybe that's, that's a consideration. I think another consideration is what do you look like in the scope of the team for next season? And I think, you know, it's, I'm not an X's and O's person, but I, you know, I've been reading a little bit about the floor spacing. Maybe left pool kind of hung him out to dry a little bit without more shooters. You know, you look at I always I often compared Jordan Poole to Nick Stauskas, where uh, you know just the way he's able to move, the way he's able to shoot, things like that. But at the same time, Nick Stauskas had Derek Walton, had Karis LeVert, Glenn Robinson. You know, he had a lot of shooters alongside him that, that he was able to, to kind of get some space with. And and I think Iggy, you know, what do you say to him? He averaged 15 points a game. He was Big Ten freshman of the year, second team all Big Ten. I mean, I think he's got, I mean, you look at him right now, where do you add the muscle? It's not like he's this project. He's not Karis LeVert where, you, you know, you can add 10 10 pounds or Mo Wagner add another 10 pounds or and he's really not he's not like a John Teske so much either you know where where he's a little 
slow or, or can't jump quite as high. I mean, he's physically, I don't know what John Sanderson does with him this, this summer if he comes back. I mean, if he comes back, I think the big incentive would be get the exposure, you know, be kind of the centerpiece, get a lot of people to watch you, and kind of prove that you that your freshman year wasn't a fluke. And that's a risky thing. You're almost like playing not to fall. And obviously, if you're the best player on a, on a good team and you're averaging 20 a night, you're going to move up. Are you going to move up a ton, though? You know, that's something that, that we'll have to see. I think I think it's it's a very it'll be an interesting month because I think I think Iggy probably looks at this and, and sees that next season. Jordan Poole, I don't I don't know what he looks at and he sees if if he looks at the consideration of coming back. Because if if, if he's under the mindset that maybe Mich not Michigan, college basketball is holding him back a little bit. You know, because the other thing, it's, you know, you're not, you, you, I don't think they're living in dorms at this point by the time they're juniors, but, you know, it's not like, I mean, you do, you are students. It's not like this, you know, you you don't have all this money to spend it how you want on, you know, I think a good example, Isaiah Livers was on a, uh, has a special bed, you know, but then sometimes when he would stay in hotels, he wouldn't get that special bed and it would, it would hurt his back a little bit. He has, he's a back injury type thing uh, i don't think it's this this huge hindrance but he did miss a couple games because during winter break they were in the in the hotel and in the hotel bed was not good for him so you know i there's little things like that i think it's always i think fans sometimes look at it and think well if you're not going to be an nba starter your life is miserable no i mean you can really set yourself up and there's there's every year every year it gets better and better for players who are maybe not the prime prime prospects i mean you know i think one good example and i think some fans can be like maybe a, a year or two behind on some of this stuff and so you know for example a lot of people say well if you're not going to be drafted in the first round you're not going to get a guaranteed contract so that's technically contractually true but last year in the second round 16 of the top 20 picks in the second round got multi-year guaranteed contracts all but three players drafted last year got at least one year guaranteed i think there might have been maybe maybe it was two or three that, that went to europe as well so maybe maybe out of you know 55 out of 60 draft picks and you know i mean everyone in the top 50 though you're getting a multi-year guaranteed deal basically and then also you have to factor in well guys coming out of the I mean, the G League is not this bad place to live, but, I mean, even even this week, this week, in Michigan basketball alumni world, Duncan Robinson had a great season playing in the G League, signed to a two-year, $3 million deal. And, and you know, I think you could make the case that Jordan Poole and Ignis Bristakis will do better in the G League. You know, the, it just the, the way that they play, the, the, how dynamic they are, what they did in college. I mean, you know, this isn't some shot at Duncan Robinson, but he, he wasn't a starter. He wasn't, I mean, he was effectively a starter in his, in his last year at Michigan, but there were some defensive deficiencies that, you know, wasn't it wasn't totally dynamic. I think he got a lot better. I think to, to act like he didn't get a lot better is pretty ignorant, but you don't think you could see a similar path for, for Poole or Brisdakis? 
even even if they don't impress in workouts this month you know say things go sour and they're signed to some two-way deal you don't think there's a market i i think there is so so i i get it you know and, and i get where michigan fans are frustrated because it's like every time you're almost there you lose somebody or you lose two people or you lose three people and so so i get where the frustration is i just i think i think it's best michigan's moving on and i would say the fans probably should too now don't you know say oh there's no chance because i i still think you know i i don't like the absolutes this early because you have no idea who's gonna get invited to the combine who might have a bad combine who might i mean mo wagner had a really bad combine who might get hurt and not be able to attend enough workouts happen to matthews so i think you know there's it's hard to deal deal in absolutes but i think michigan is under the impression that they're moving on perhaps michigan fans should as well and it's not like this it's this huge dagger right i mean yeah you'd probably be better with with a guy like iggy i mean he led the team in scoring 15 games this year he scored you know 500 most second most points in freshman history behind Jalen Rose that's the only other one who scored more so so clearly there's there's plenty of benefits to having them back but at the same time every year these guys are leave and it's, you know the the jabroni fans will say are like oh well good luck in the G League you know you're gonna be a second round pick uh no one no one thinks you're any good you should have come back weird oxymoron no one thinks you're any good but come back and play for play for the team that I root for it's uh, but anyway, you know, they say that every year, and and so far, three years in a row, Karis LeVert, DJ Wilson, Mo Wagner, all projected in the second round on the day of the draft, all drafted in the top 25, and they're doing just fine. You know, Wilson, I don't think he's made an NBA start yet, but he's been, he's making a nice chunk of coin. Same with Mo Wagner, same with, same with LeVert, I mean, LeVert, Obviously, he started now, and he's he's someone that Brooklyn's not quite building around, but they're he's a big part of their their future. But they all they're all doing fine, and you know who else did fine? Michigan. You know, it's not the it's not the press the panic and and you know run around screaming situation. Yeah, they'd be better. And 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 it is worth noting each of those years. Now, Levert wasn't an early departure, but the previous two years. It was only one guy that they lost to the draft. Other losses were to graduation. This would be different because they would be losing one more than they expected. Because they expected Matthews. They they oversigned by one with the anticipation that Matthews was was leaving. And so so this is one more, or I guess technically two more than expected, but only one more than it had been previous seasons. So... Anyway, that brings us to the question. Uh, we got it from Neil. He asked, uh, with two spots available, assuming all three Michigan players stay in the draft, rank the likelihood of getting Franz Wagner, Lester Quinones, Harlan Beverly, or grad transfer to be named later. So let's start with the recruits. We can we can look into the grad transfer a little bit. Quick note on that. I, I think that's that's the... That's the part where things get wild because you don't even necessarily know who's transferring, who's interested in Michigan. That that's that's a whole different deal. But as far as the recruiting goes, 
it's probably the way you listed it, uh, Neil. It's it's probably well, actually, I'd switch Beverly and Quinones. I I think let's start with Wagner. You know, he's well, you know his last name. It's it's Franz Wagner. It's Mo Wagner's brother. Uh, different kind of player. Whereas Mo was, I think he was six nine, around six ten when when Michigan recruited him. He was clearly a forward. Uh, Franz is a little bit. He's six seven. From from what I can gather, obviously the heights can always change, and you know it's hard to hard to track thousands of players' heights as they change at each recruiting class. But he seems more like a wing guy. He seems more like a Matthews Brisdakis type. Uh, I guess he could grow, but I think his playing style puts him on the wing. You know, but but anyway, he would fit. He, all three of these guys would fill the role. Um, you know, so uh, Beverly six four, Kinonis is six five. They're obviously looking for a wing, scoring first wing. Probably wouldn't hurt to have one who can shoot the rock to help spread out the court, uh, but also someone who can who can kind of create their own too, because Teske off, works off residual action. Simpson is not a scoring first point guard, so to have someone who can kind of create their own, similar to what Iggy did, similar to what Matthews did, uh, and Pool at times, you know, it's. That's what they're looking for, and and I think Wagner fits that really well. I think all three do, but Wagner, if I, if I'm projecting, I'd say he's probably the most likely. And the reason I say that is because uh, the there are not as many other suitors, you know. I mean, I think I think by now, and 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 this, you know, Mo does a lot for this. You know, he's able to vouch for Michigan, and say, no, Michigan did this for me. They, you know, and I don't think there was ever a time. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there was ever a time where Mo didn't love the college experience. Now I don't think Franz is the same. Like I think I think Mo was like one of those rare birds who like grows up wanting to <laughs> go to U.S. American colleges. I guess that's not too rare. But as far as athletes go, most of them are thinking pros. And so I don't know. I think I think Mo was someone who wanted that college experience a little bit more. Uh, but at the same time, you know, him having such a glowing experience and and being so vocal about it makes me think that he's in Franz's ear, and 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 I think you know Franz. I assume he's a Michigan fan, so it's it, you know if he grew up watching his brother. So I think the fact that there's not, I mean, Stanford and Butler are suitors, but it sounds like it would be his main competition is his pro team, and and it's almost the exact same kind of deal that someone like Jordan Poole is facing. You know, do you go play pros even though it's not the NBA, but you still get money? You can train, you know, whenever you want, you know, nonstop focus on being the best basketball player you can be. You know, no restrictions, no distractions, just just focus on you and, and being the best player you can be. Or do you come to college? Now, I think college can give you a lot of exposure, right? Like I think Mo Wagner would tell you, I don't think he he's a first round pick if he isn't starring at Michigan. And 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 I think Sanderson helped a lot and obviously the coaches helped a lot too, but you know, I think the exposure helps, so that's part of it. And also, you know, it is it is something that I think most players would enjoy. I mean, there's a reason why players aren't flocking overseas to go pro right out of high school. Part of that's the language barrier, that that's a factor, but I also think some of it is college can be fun. It's just how, you know, different players have different preferences. So I think 
I think it, it, it sounds like one. I think if I were a Michigan fan and I were looking to see for clues, I think Franz visiting is a huge indicator. You know, taking an official visit, uh, you know, at some point in the next. Now, I think he would wait a little bit longer. His timeline would be further down the road. He might be that 13th pick. I think Michigan would try to pick someone up before Wagner decides. But, you know, any any quotes is obviously an indicator as well uh, if, he, if he does a story with, with anyone. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, the other two are more traditional recruiting battles. You know they've got other other suitors. Uh, let's start with let's start with Beverly. You know he played, play, grew up in Southeast Michigan, uh, visited U of M a ton before he went on to Montverde Academy in Florida. You know he's I I, I think uh, Josh Henschke has been all over Beverly. You know it's he he said I think his sophomore year this is someone Michigan should be offering. You know, like, I don't I don't believe they've offered yet officially and so you know it's it's one of those things they gotta they got some work to do you know I think there was maybe not a fence taken that, that doesn't make it sound like Beverly but you know Beverly said they said Michigan said Badgema and Wilson are who we're looking at and Beverly said okay I'll, I'll go look elsewhere so some other schools that he's looking at Miami Indiana or, I'm sorry not Indiana um Georgia is another one. So, you know, other schools that have needs and, and they can also offer uh, relatively prominent roles in the offense. And I do think Michigan's in a different boat this year than last spring, because I know last spring they poked their head around a couple 2018 recruit, you know, a couple add-ons when Mo went pro and 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 I- Ibby Watson transferred. And they looked at a couple grad transfers, but they couldn't they couldn't really start offer a starting job. Uh, now they can, and I mean they could probably offer two. You know, it's I, I don't know what Eli Brooks' future looks like or the, what the plan looks like for him. But, but yeah, I mean you know they could say you could be the starter here, so that's a little different. You know that that could get their foot in the door a little bit more. So yeah, Beverly, I think they've got some ground to make up though because they they had to give him. I don't know. I don't know the exact conversation, but at some point, Beverly was very interested in getting an offer from Michigan. You know, moving up on the on their board and and possibly even committing. Well, now they have to make him. They have to show him that he's a priority. And so they're trying to get a visit from him. Obviously, the logistics of everything, uh, especially for these late recruits who kind of want things solidified, but also want to see all their options. So we'll see. They're trying to get him to visit at the end of the month. But one guy who will visit at the end of the month, at least as of right now, uh, Quinones. You know, I think his his other suitors. I think he's he seems very much uh, like a fan. You know, with, it, with looking at his Twitter and everything. You know, he's, he's he loves Maryland, LSU, and Memphis. I think those are probably if I were to guess who his top three are, those would be it. I know Florida has been involved. Indiana was involved, although it sounds like. He had a falling out with their fan base a couple days ago. It's, but he's visiting. I think, I think there's a, I think Michigan's got a good chance. I mean, you look at those other schools. You know, Maryland. Um, well, Jalen Smith is coming back. You know, so they've got they've got talent. They've been able to sell that NBA thing, 
LSU is in kind of a weird spot. I don't really know what what their future looks like. It's it's you know I mean with Will Wade with the some of the scandals and everything. So that that might limit things there. Memphis I think is all you know with Penny Hardaway and and a little bit of a momentum building. I think they're they're recruiting really really well. So we'll see we'll see. I think I think he's someone probably of the well maybe I'm not sure quite sure about Franz's game how it would translate but Kinonis I think would be the most instant impact guy of the three I just think other schools can say the same thing and say you'll be the starter you'll be the leading scorer uh, so so we'll see I, I think getting the reaction from those from those visitors is important or from those visits and kind of seeing how things unfold I do think Michigan has a little bit more clarity now you know with I mean they're basically operating on the assumption that those three are that the three uh guys who declared are gone you know in the past it was kind of like a oh we're not sure you know we might be able to offer you a spot we're not we're kind of waiting on a couple decisions now they can they're they're confidently they're going around and saying we have a spot and if and if a player wants to come back uh they better do it in time (laughs) you know or or better hope that there's a spot so i think i think that is one slight difference between you know being able to sign an agent and everything because i don't think we just talked about that i don't think fans totally knew that the whole time so so yeah we'll see uh grad transfers though i think gotta because michigan is losing its top three scorers i've gotta think that they're they're in the market for a grad transfer you know the recruits are nice you know those are guys that you can build around they're more sure things as far as they're definitely going to fit because i don't think michigan's getting a grad transfer from another power five school perhaps there is one out there but haven't haven't heard a name come across just yet but but if they're getting someone from a small school you don't quite know you know i think mark alstork at illinois was a good example uh, i think illinois i'm sorry tennessee had you know the leading scorer in the NCAA, who played at a played at a mid major, low major school, and he was not their leading scorer, you know. So you never know exactly what it is, but at the same time, they can bring an instant impact. They are what they are, you know. And even if that's, even if it's just you know being the third or fourth best player on the team, Michigan's team is good enough that that's probably still someone that you want to take. So as far as the grad transfer list, it's it's still growing. It's still new, but a, but a couple. To have you know to keep it to keep on your radar, uh, you know William and Mary, forward Justin Pierce, Akron forward Daniel Utomi, uh, Alabama wing, Dazon Dazon Ingram. Uh, those are those are probably the three that have surfaced for now that that could be, you know, true matches. I think the one thing about grad transfers one you don't know who's who's transferring that that's still being decided. I mean, you know, it's t- literally tomorrow. There could be someone that's perfect for Michigan that decides to transfer. So it's there's that. And two, with the transfer portal, with the increased usage of transfers, I mean, you can look around. It's not, I mean, Texas Tech had two grad transfers in their starting lineup. You know, so so teams are a little less scared or not scared, but they're, they're finding ways to, to get grad transfers more. You know, and, and you're seeing teams have success with it. 
So I think that's something to something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, is that every one of these players, there's gonna be like seven, eight schools that are NCAA tournament caliber that are after them. Everyone, everyone who loses a player to the NBA, what do you think they're all trying to do? They're all trying to fill these spots. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be, it's kind of it's gonna be throwing a whole bunch at the wall, you know, to to go over these names or or which players and perhaps something sticks you just don't know i think it's a little too soon to know and i think similar to the recruits you got to look at who's visiting and what they say after their visits and who else they're visiting i think that's that's what may is going to be for it's going to be an interesting time for michigan uh so anyway neil to to go back to the likeliness i think if i were if i were picking the order i think it would be grad transfer Wagner, Beverly, Cunonis would be my order. And, and the main reason there is, well, grad transfers, I think they can they can say right away, starter. You know, we, we see exactly how you fit, and they, they know, and I think I think they want one. I think, that, I think their dream situation would be one grad transfer, one recruit. That way you're not totally storing all your scholarships. You're not, you're not suddenly rolling out a team that has – nine freshmen and sophomores out of 13 scholarship players and so it's there's there's some benefits to to getting freshmen obviously that you can build them you can make them who they are perhaps their ceilings are a little higher but i think i i think their dream situation would be to get one and one they'll take two however they can get it i think i don't think they're this isn't a pursuing for the sake of pursuing like they're looking for players that can help them that's why Almost every single one of these players, well, every single one of them is within 6'4 and 6'7 and within like 180 and 215 pounds. It's, it's definitely a type. And I think, believe all of them you could classify as shooters. I don't think there's any, you know, got any, I don't think any of them can't shoot from, from deep, I should say. Uh, so we'll see. You know, I think Kinonis is probably the toughest fish just because there's not... You know, Beverly grew up rooting for Michigan, at least in some capacity. Franz has been very intimately aware of how of the perks of Michigan for a while. So it's I'd put him last, but you know, something could change tomorrow. So it's it's hard to tell. Um, as far as the team next year, it's it's gonna. I think the future looks really bright. You know, it's it's not quite. I it was it was really funny. I'm glad I got the story in. So after the title game. You know, all these publications do their, their way too early top 25s. Yeah, I mean, you know, whether how point how useful they are is, <laughs> I'd probably agree with you if you said they're not useful. So it's, they are what they are. But I think it is interesting to see the national perception of Michigan. And they were, to give you context, in the 10 publications I fielded, nine of them, Michigan was in the top four. And, and only in the the one that they weren't was ESPN. They were seventh. So I think with if the if Poole and Brzezakis do in fact leave, and I think think there's a, a you know we've mentioned kind of a relatively strong belief that they do. I think you probably bump them down outside the top five, in my my opinion, just because other teams are are gonna get you know some some recruits that aren't available. They're gonna get some grad transfers or some some team 
you know, not everybody stays in the draft that hires an agent. And I think that list is already closing in on 60, and there's a lot of time to go. So obviously somebody's going to come back that's going to really benefit a team uh, that, that maybe was a surprise. Happens every year. So I would probably bump him out of the top five, but I think it's really hard to look at a team that that is, you know, the starting lineup. Let's hypothetically Xavier Simpson, Eli Brooks, Jalen Wilson, Isaiah Livers, John Teske. That's an NCAA tournament caliber starting five. And I think depending on how some players improve or how things gel, that could be a t- second weekend starting five. And so then, you know, then you're looking at some of these recruits and you're saying, well, that's maybe that's gravy. Now, I think they would love to not put all their eggs in the Jalen Wilson, the four-star freshman, top 50 freshman. I'm sure they would love to have a second guy just because you don't know how someone's game is going to translate. And Eli Brooks, I think, or David DeJulius, whichever, or whoever it is. I don't know that that's your optimal starter. That's not a slight at them. It's just I think there's players who maybe have more length, who can defend a little bit more at the two, who can who can do some things that, that you know Brooks and DeJulius can't do. So, yeah, I mean, if you can add one guy at the two or three, or maybe two guys at the two or three that are at the very least rotation caliber, suddenly you're looking at this team and you're thinking, well, okay, they have, what, three four-stars? that came off the bench last year as freshmen and and players make the biggest jump between freshman and sophomore years you've got Isaiah Livers who was arguably the team's best shooter and dunker last year you got Xavier Simpson I I just I mean he, he might finish his career with the most wins as a starter in school history I'll have to double check on some of those stats but I mean he's something like 55 and 13 as a starter some ridiculous stat that's that you know He's just, he's just a winner, you know, and there's a reason every coach who, after they played Michigan, basically was like, yeah, Xavier Simpson's the head of the snake. He's their MVP. He's the best player. I mean, he carries, you know, he does so much for this team. And, you know, as far as a leader and uh, as a point guard, you know, he just keeps getting better and better. Teske, I think he's uh, the latest Camp Sanderson success story, and I think there's more for him to grow. You know, he can get faster. I don't think he can get taller than seven one but he can jump a little higher you know he's he improved his vertical leap by four inches last summer could he do that again maybe not four inches but a couple more i mean he's you know he led the big 10 in blocks uh was closing in on double digit points per game you know getting seven ish rebounds a game point is i think this is still a really good team I get where Brzdakis and Poole coming back, and suddenly you're you're real fired up. But but at the same time, you know they get one or two guys. I think feel like the team is still maybe not quite run it back because you lose your top three scorers. You don't know what happens. But in 2017, they lost three of their top four scorers. Came back, didn't even better. In 2018, they lost three of their top four scorers. You could say they didn't do better. I, I think I said last week, I still think, I don't know if last year's team beats a team like Texas Tech. And that was actually validated by them being, uh, you know, one point away, because it went to overtime, one point away from winning the national title. They just, they, they played the Villanova type of team 
they just played them a couple weeks earlier this year or a week earlier this year. So I, you know, I, I think this year's team from an efficiency standpoint is better than last year's team. That's actually according, depending on which site you subscribe to. Uh, I think they all say that that was the case. Whether they keep, I don't know if they keep getting better, but I think they've got something really good going. And so, yeah, if you're a Michigan fan and you're, you're worried about losing all three, you're saying it's not fair. You're saying it's, how does this keep happening to Michigan? Uh, let me see if I can change your mind because first of all, it's a compliment to lose players to the NBA. I think, I think uh, a lot of schools in the country would love to be able to lose so many players because they're so good that they're going to the NBA. And I get where someone like uh, DJ Wilson or, or Jordan Poole, maybe you, you saw the glimpses, you just didn't see it every night. You know, I think people were way more at peace with Mo than they were with DJ Wilson. And I think people are way more at peace with Matthews than they were than they have been with Jordan Poole. But at the same time, you know, these coaches, I said it, I think I said it earlier in the podcast, the players, they all turn out fine, despite your skepticism. And the, the team, they turn out fine too. So anyway, probably went on too long to, to throw in a spring conversation again, as I mentioned at the beginning. The company would doesn't mind having more podcasts and and so far from listeners we don't mind either they don't mind either given that it's 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 focused so this was the basketball one tomorrow i will publish the football one we'll talk uh 10 things to watch in the spring game and try to throw in some of your football questions in there as well but uh steve will be back for next week's podcast but uh you know for 24 7 i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we won't see you next week. We'll see you tomorrow. Football Podcast. Thank you.